Welcome to Funding the Dream, the number one podcast for the number one crowdfunding platform, Kickstarter. Now here's your host, Richard Bliss. Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. Uh, I'm Richard Bliss, the host. This is a special edition of Gamma Live as I'm at the uh, Gamma Trade Show in Reno, Nevada, talking to show, cre- uh, excuse me, project creators. And today I'm joined by Heather O'Neill from Ninth Level Games. Heather, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Well, it's been nice because you and I uh, met, uh, well, there's been a whole lot going on, but one of the things we had a nice conversation was is that you were talking about your, you've done a lot of Kickstarter campaigns, you've had some success, and it's a critical component of your game company, business, yes. your business. So Correct. let's talk about that business, first of all. Tell us a little bit about the business. So Ninth Level Games is a tabletop publishing house that has four employees. We split amongst role-playing and board games. Okay. So that's a little unique. So we started out in 1999 with a RPG called Cobalt Ate My Baby. So Cobalt Ate My Baby. Now it rattles off your tongue, but every time you say it, I'm like, what did she say? So Cobalt. it's the Dingo's Ate My Baby joke but, with a Cobalt, which is a character sure. from D&D. Sure, from D&D, exactly. So it was kind of a parody of traditional dungeon crawling with a dumb, silly kobold instead of the strong, strong adventurers. Got it. This and is 1999. The, and, right. And for the time, very rare to see an indie anything, let alone an indie RPG. So it kind of became a cult classic a few Got years it. after that. Got it. And but obviously that wasn't on Kickstarter because no. that was long before Kickstarter, right? Way you guys before self-published Kickstarter. that. Self-published that. Um, you know, we just did small print runs and just kept re- re-upping it. Then we did a hardcover, you know, changed a couple different hands on who published it, sometimes us, somebody else, other years. And uh, then we kind of just went on the back burner and collected royalties and didn't do anything for a while. Then we're hearing about Kickstarter. We're hearing about self-publishing being a possibility, again, at a higher level than a small book, maybe. And we say, all right, let's, let's relaunch that RPG from 99 in a nice full-color book on Kickstarter and see if there's interest. And if there's a good amount of interest, maybe we're going to get back into this more actively. Because honestly, you probably didn't really have a good idea. I mean, it had it been so, so long. Yeah, it, yeah, been it was so about long. 14 years later, 15 years later, it was going to come out on the 15th you know, anniversary, I think. So we weren't really sure if anybody cared anymore. Um, is this even something we wanted to do anymore? So it was basically a trial run right. to do that. So when we did that, I wasn't even involved in the company yet, but I obviously knew people in the company and was involved in a way. And after the success of that first Kickstarter... And what was the definition of success? What does that mean? It was... Not only did it fund, it funded like a thousand percent. Right. And was well above what we expected on number of backers and on dollars. Well, that's pretty exciting then, because all of a sudden this baby that you've had, that's kind of been going along, you suddenly put it out there and realize that... No, there's a fans, and they're going to give you money. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So it came back to be, I think it was about 1,200 backers, which was more than we thought. It was about $70,000. Again, this little silly book we made, you know, way back, we never thought it was going to hit like that again this many years later. So it really made us rethink our model and maybe we can do more than we thought we could do without having to pitch games to bigger companies and that type of thing. So that's really when I stepped in and did more of the business side and now it's more important 
to no cost and right, money right. and because an RPG is fa- yeah. yeah. RPGs fairly easy, right? It's a Correct. fairly easy way to just put that out. But now, if you start because you moved into board games, which are a whole nother beast, right? So, so in thirteen, when it was just uh, RPG and dice and a few little extras, um, somewhere along the next year, year and a half of getting that complete and shipped was when we talked about a lot of board and card game ideas that I was interested in designing and never really planned on being a designer, but we were thinking, hey, now we're going to try our hand at this stuff again and go through Kickstarter. What the heck? Let's try it. So a a few of us in the company now uh, worked on this game. So it's myself, Heather Wilson, and Chris O'Neill are the designers of Schrodinger's Cats, which was the first board game we put out. Um, We worked on it for about a year and a half before we kickstarted it. And we put that out in 2015, and again, 2,000 backers. Crazy. Over $50,000, just not ex- expecting it to kind of go like that. Now, we all know, if you're listening to this probably, that that was the Wild West of Kickstarter. Yes, it was. <laughs> we were all there. Yes, it was. So, you know, that was that was a, a good thing to, to come in at that earlier stage, yeah. right? And at that point is when we actually... Um, restructured the company and I became the CEO and we restructured people's positions and did a lot more planning on games we're going to publish, games we're going to design, that type of thing. So if, and that's a great uh, segue because if, if, if ninth level games had a brand, if people haven't heard about it, what's the brand of the game? The brand of, of the company Yes, okay, is, sorry, what's the brand of the company? Brand of the company is bringing fun to the table in a non uh, silly way there's more complexity to the game but everything's fun and a light concept Got all it. of our art is very approachable and kind of silly in the art style but the game underlying is actually a little bit more complex than you might see right off the surface so they're great crossover games for people who aren't role players or board gamers because the art and the themes engage them and then they realize that they actually like the gameplay. There's a good game, mm-hmm. and, and uh, your your cat game, um, <laughs> sl- Schrodinger's cat. Thank you, Schroding, like whatever the cat game. The I cat can't game. say it. We'll I can't cat. say it today. We I'm call giant. it cats all the time. We cats. say cats. Okay, the cat <laughs> is something I have enjoyed that it stays with you that you think back on. You're like, oh, there's such a an interesting mechanic there. But one of the reasons we're talking is that, yes, you, you've done these successes of the company, but you now have become a bit of, in your community, because you're involved with the board game design community in your area, mm-hmm. is that, uh, one, it's obviously my listeners and to me, you're a woman, <laughs> right, in a male-dominated industry, right, and that you're starting to have some influence in your local community on giving advice to people, friends who are doing it but you've done some of these projects now on Kickstarter and you're finding the advice kind of tends to be the same advice that you find yourself giving over and over again correct so um, I head up one of the meetings monthly meetings of Game Makers Guild in Philadelphia and meet a lot of new designers or established designers that want playtesting of their game so not only people who know me through Ninth Level that are other designers or publishers that are looking to do a Kickstarter um, strangers who I meet for the first time say, does anybody have any Kickstarter advice? I'm not sure if I should go that route. And everybody goes, okay, go talk to Heather. Right. So um, over the years, I've heard some, some horror stories of just major mistakes that were made in campaigns and 
in putting way too much of their own money in before the campaign even began, and also during the campaign to make it fund. So we've heard so many horror stories. Right. Even every once in a while, I'm still surprised by a new horror story. But I, I hear these things, and I just want to make sure that that doesn't happen for somebody else because it's just really sad. It doesn't need to happen. You might not fund, but don't overextend yourself to the point or make a major mistake to make yourself look bad in this public. Forum. So when somebody comes to you here, I've just walked up to you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, I hear you're the person to give me advice. I, I right. need some advice. What questions do you start to ask them yes. to determine where they're at in their process? That's exactly what I do. First, very first thing I say is, when are you planning on kickstarting this game? I'm planning. It's the uh, it's March, uh, April. I was going to do it my birthday, April fifteenth. Whatever. Right. So okay, then so I, I say, got about a month. Oh, that's pretty close. Have you done? And then I start a myriad of questions. So, so what are, like what? So first thing I would say is, um, if it's a board game. Because role playing is a little different yeah, on what you need game. to get out. I've got a board game. It's a board game. I've got a board I'll game. say, okay, have you gotten your previews done and your how to play video? And then what do you mean? Right. Have you gotten your quotes from your manufacturer? No, have that's you... why I'm doing the Kickstarter, so I have the money so I can go to the manufacturer. Right. So I'll say, oh, so you're not quite sure how much your game cost is yet. Uh, do I have to know that? Because I'm just going to raise the money. Exactly. Exactly. So this kind of thing, it depends on how they approach the first question, but I'll either go the money route or I'll go the playtesting route or I'll say, do you know what you're even asking, how much you're asking for? Uh, I was thinking between five and 10,000 and it's like, okay, why? Right. <laughs> so I mean, things like that. Um, there, I, I just recently met somebody who had told me that they quit their job six months ago and had been working on this game. I met them in February and they were planning to launch in April. And that was the first time they had taken it for a playtest. That was the first time, and they had no income coming in. But Correct. this was, they were all in. They were all in. They were also the artists, so they were great art, but the game had not been playtested and they were planning to kickstart it two months later. How important is it to playtest the game? I think it's very important because what I've found is uh, a lot of people who are first time creators might not even realize that the way that they're either the game the way the game's perceived or the actual gameplay is either very similar almost identical to a game that's already been out or doesn't really work and they're just going to disappoint people if they do fund and actually deliver deliver something and then they just make a bad name for themselves because the game either doesn't work it's completely broken it's not any fun whatever they're going for so when these people walk up and they want some advice and how often do they walk away disappointed? Fair, I would say they don't walk away completely disappointed, but they're usually disappointed a couple of t- different times during the conversation. Um, usually I try to get them to a good conversation point where they now have a new direction to go. I've only ever had one or two people say, well, I'm still going to do it that month. Okay. But other than that, usually the, the first disappointment is when they tell me their goal and it's completely... Uh, really really high they might say I was thinking like 50 grand okay for this card game 50 grand why well this 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 and they might say I'm only working part time right now they might Uh, say the wrong reason the wrong reasons right and then I have to say well a game of this type let's just say for example it's um, something like Herbaceous it's a card game in a box that's going to retail for less than $20 so a a game like that is 
do really, really well, you might be in the 20s or 30s. You're not going to probably hit 50 guarantee. So, Especially if you're a first-timer. First-timer. You have to build a lot of the audience. You can't just put it out there and expect people to back it. And that's another reason they get disappointed. They think, click a button, I'm going to get 50 grand. It's not that. A lot of it has to be driven from you. Most Kickstarter campaigns, from what I've seen anyway, is close to 50% of the backers are driven by direct link to your Kickstarter, meaning through your marketing. Now, maybe you've gotten people to do work for sure, you, but sure. it's through what you as a company or designer have done, it, not what Kickstarter's done. Yeah, it didn't, they didn't stumble upon you. Correct. There was a, a concerted effort to get them so to So I click. think, yeah, the dollar signs in the eyes, once they go, oh, or oh, I have to do a lot of other prep I didn't know I had to So you're pushing back that delivery, that uh, that launch date. Yes, they, and, and then right away they usually go, okay, well, i got to rethink this. So that's good. Um, we have that. Other things that they're disappointed in is if they've put their own money into art or prototypes and they say, well, I've got to recoup this much money. It's like, well, that's not the reason you should probably be doing a Kickstarter. And uh, so there's some disappointment there. Just thinking of it, they're thinking of it in a different way than what it is. Right. Um, so there's there's disappointment with that. And then the other thing is how much work they're going to have to do. I think that's probably the biggest one. The biggest shock is that in the early days, we can go back to eminent domain, right? Which is a the we all know that crash of story is that hey, we got this idea. Yep. Okay, here's a bunch of money. To go pursue your idea. Sounds great. And, and right, it's not like that anymore. It's, been, it's not been like that for a long time. More so for board games than for um, comic books or music or even RPGs. But even those, you need to do more work than what you could do in 2012 or 13. So what they're finding is, oh, not only do I need the little video that they ask me for, I should have a how to play, I should have reviews, I should have... Which means uh, I need prototypes. I... Right. right, I have to. Uh, I should take it around to places so people can see it. I need to get a mailing list. I need to um, maybe put a PDF of the rules up, so I need that laid out and ready to go. This kind of a print and play, whatever the you know right. type of game it might be. Um, I need to find out my costs. I need to find out my shipping costs. I need to find out how I'm shipping. Am I shipping it internationally? And then here we go, like a myriad of things. And then, <laughs> and then I've, I've had this. Then you ask, then you have to, the question I ask is, have you done any of this research? Right. And, and then I go down the list. Have you read any of Jamie Stegmeier's blogs? Right. Who's he? Oh, okay, that's the first indicator. Have you been to a proto spiel or an umpub or some kind of, and in your case, they're right. actually there, but right. have you, oh, I didn't know they do that. Yes, they do. And do you need me to find you the ones I suddenly found myself doing the research right. that they should have been doing? Have you have you listened to my podcast? Right. Uh, I didn't know you had a podcast. Really? And you're asking me for advice? Right. Right. I mean, I remember uh, probably about three years ago when these really started, more and more questions started coming in. No one had heard of Unpub. And we're on the East Coast, which is is based in Baltimore, and there's a lot of events yeah. on the East Coast. So that was the number one thing. And also, um, the whole uh, shipping consolidation thing was just a complete like shock to them of how much work that is and how much you have to research. Yeah. Um, so those were my two big aha moments were, oh, okay, that you need to know about this. Or like you said, the, the Facebook groups, the... Um, right blogs that you should be reading, the articles you, sh you should be reading. The, um, the books you should be, I mean, there's so much resources out there for people now. The fact that they still come up to you. Yep. 
and they haven't done the, what we consider the basic homework or the basic development. Right. One thing, I'm, before we run out of time, one of the things also I was intrigued by as a conversation is about that you also interact, it's the type of con- creator that I wanted to talk to you about. Okay. And what I mean by that is, is that uh, this is a male-dominated industry, right. but and I can't even say that it's slowly changing because it's, no, I, it's changing, but I don't know if it's how fast or whatever. Right. But you also talk to then more and more women designers and people, women who want to put their projects on Kickstarter. And th- in that case, then, there's a bit of a different advice. Well, sometimes. Um, what I have found is, um, again, meeting a lot of first-time designers or people that are in the pre-launch um, or pitch stage where they're just working on the game by themselves, I found a confidence level that's lower for women for whatever reason in their own work. Their work is good and they are ready to move to the Kickstarter level and sometimes they don't feel that they are. So I've seen a lot of people be hesitant to move forward and it's a shame because they probably could have done it a year earlier. But it's sometimes it's just that next push where I've seen many male designers just dive headfirst into a Kickstarter and it's at 4% after a week or two and they have to cancel it because they're overly confident. Right. So there, there is that level that I'm seeing. It's not everybody, but no. I am seeing that divide and um, it's not probably just the game industry or just Kickstarters. Because, well, no, because in your, after talking, yeah. you, you are, your career, you don't do this full time, but your career is also in a male-dominated industry, isn't it? Right. I'm in uh, engineering and construction, so it's the same type of thing, and you'll, you'll hear stories of it, you'll read articles about it, that women will read their list of qualifications for that promotion, and they'll say, well, I only have six of the seven things, or I only have seven years' experience, not ten, so I'm not going to apply. And a man will look at the same list and have half or less and apply and say, I, I got this. I know I can do this. So it, it's just the way it is, unfortunately. And I think by seeing more women designers like me having successful Kickstarters and companies, that encourage, encourages that. It does. More women being signed by the larger companies as a designer, same thing. Seeing more women on panels, doing blogs, doing um, you know things about the industry that aren't just it's this guy telling me this or it's this really really famous designer how am I ever going to be like them right. they see that somebody a couple years ago wasn't even planning to do this thought about doing it did it and now they can follow that path this came home for me because I have a friend who decided they wanted to learn about board gaming being around me in a work environment and they uh, they invited themselves to a board game design group, one of the, the weekly ones or monthly ones in my Bay Area. And they sat down. This woman was not a gamer. So she really hasn't ever played any game. So a lot of the inherent concepts that you would normally think that were there, I understand. Deck building, I understand worker placement. No, there's none of that. So she sat down to play a couple of games, some she really liked. And one, she walked away and continues to talk to me about it, that she recognized that the game was designed and play-tested by all men. Mm-hmm. And she felt that she was one of the only women to ever play-test that game. And it was, in, to her, immediately obvious mm-hmm. that there were thought processes that were in place that did not take into consideration the way she perceived the way things were said, the way things were written, the way right. things were engaged with. And so I think that's part of, if I was to give some advice, and I think you could give that advice, if you're a game designer, by all means, seek out... Because women make up such a huge percentage now of the game players, right. not, maybe not the game designers, but 
make sure they're part of your process. Right, and it's uh, you should have diverse play groups, uh, playtesting groups. You shouldn't just have the same four people that, especially if they're your friends. Um, it right. should be um, a, a big group of people, and that's another another thing that should be done for a while before you're considering kickstarting it. You probably want to have the game at a point where you've play tested it, you've redeveloped it, you've play tested it again a few different times before you're even talking about doing the Kickstarter. And unfortunately, some people have the idea and think in those two to three months before their launch button, they're going to do all that work. Or afterwards, they're going to fix the game and finish it up. It's like, well, that's not really going to work. Not anymore. Not anymore. It, it used to work, but not anymore. Heather, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. My guest has been Heather O'Neill, Ninth Level Games, and we've been talking about a wide range of topics, but mostly about the advice that she gives to first-time or near-first-time uh, project creators, and it's been invaluable uh, information. I have certainly learned something. If you would like to participate in this conversation, join us on the Funding the Dream on Kickstarter Facebook group where we'll have this episode posted and you can ask and talk about the things that you've heard here from Heather. Heather, again, thank you for joining me. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to Funding the Dream. I've been your host. Thanks for listening. Take care.